Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Last night we began ministering and we're going to pick up there again tonight. Psalms chapter 8, turn with us if you would. How many of you know it doesn't get old to, to see more? And to have watered what we know. Amen. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 4. Psalm chapter 8, verse 4. And it reads, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For God has made him a little lower than the angels. And as we said last night, the word with there for angels is Elohim, so it's speaking of God, not angels. For thou hast made him a little lower than himself. And has crowned man with glory and honor. God made him to have dominion. Over the works of his hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And so this statement just rings in me that he made man to have dominion. And it's not appropriate for us to not walk in what we're made for. And we have to become skillful in what we're made for. And that is to have dominion. And to have dominion means you're going to dominate. Because if you don't dominate, you will be dominated. Because something's going to dominate. Something's going to take the lead in every situation, in every circumstance, in every, in every challenge of life. Something is going to take the lead. And it might as well be you, the one who was made to be in the lead. Amen. Amen. And people will read this. Well, you know, that, uh, you know, just whatever Jesus said, that's not what this verse says. You were made to have dominion. Yes, we know Jesus has dominion, but because we are the body of the head, the headship exercises his dominion through the body. And so we can't just say, well, you know, whatever will be, will be whatever Jesus wants. Well, we do want, we do know what Jesus wants. He told us he wants man to have dominion. That's what we're made for. That's what fits us. And anything less than that is not appropriate for us. We were not made to be dominated. Pushed around by circumstances. Pushed around by opposition. Amen. And I'm not referring to other people. I'm referring to circumstances of your life. Amen. We know Adam lost that dominion, but Jesus came and gave it back. Amen. And the name of Jesus is the master key that causes our dominion to work. Amen. It's a daily consistent exercise of our dominion that will bring us to a place of skill that sets the right flow, the momentum of the right flow in our lives. Amen. And it's part of our inheritance. You know, thank God that healing is part of our inheritance and prosperity and joy and peace. But dominion is a large part of our inheritance because the other things that belong to us in Christ are connected to whether or not we're walking in our dominion or not. So we were made 
for, for dominion. It, notice it doesn't say we were made for prosperity. We were made for healing. We were made for miracles. Because if you're in dominion, yeah. all those are, are at your, yeah. at your right. command. Amen. And so dominion puts us in a, in a position of, of commanding. And it's up to us to command. And it's not based on personality. This is not a personality thing. This is not about a, personal, a person who's very assertive in their natural temperament. That has nothing to do with this. So just because someone's opinion, opinionated does not mean they're walking in dominion. These are, these are two different things. Dominion is a spiritual force that flows from the inner being of man. It's not a personality characteristic. It's not, it's not something when someone is very assertive and they take charge of things. That's not what this is talking about. This is a dominion that flows. It's a shared dominion that flows from the head through the body of Christ and into the circumstances and conditions of our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it is our responsibility, but not only that, our privilege to become skillful at this. Amen. Uh, Dad Hagen stated this, and I want to read this. When he stated this, he said, back in the 1940s, I asked myself this question. Do we have authority that we don't know about, that we haven't discovered, and that we're not using? I had had little glimpses of spiritual authority once in a while, like others, I had stumbled upon it and exercised it without knowing what I was doing. I wondered, is the Spirit of God trying to show me something? So I began to study along this line, think along this line, feed along this line, and I began to see more and more light that we as a church have authority on the earth that we've never yet realized, authority that we're not using. A few of us have barely gotten to the edge of that authority. But before Jesus comes again. Now see now he's talking to us. But before Jesus comes again. There's going to be a whole company. A whole company of believers. He didn't say there's going to be all believers. A whole company of believers. Who will rise up with the authority that is theirs. They will know what is theirs. And they will do the work that God intended that they should do. So my thing is, why not us decide that we will delve into these things and we will not leave them laying on the shelf to be admired. We'll not just leave it laying in our Bible, but we'll bring these things off the pages of the word and put them in our hearts and put them in our lives and put them in our doing and put them in our mouth and start taking charge of that which is under that dominion. We won't overreach, but let's reach fully. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So turn with me to Romans chapter five. You can bring my house down a little bit, please. The volume on that for me, please. Because I don't want to blow y'all out by my getting. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Not that much, brother. I was just really saying that to be gracious. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. 
For if by one man's offense, talking of Adam, Mm -hmm. death reigned by one because of what? Because of Adam. Mm -hmm. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Who's that talking about? That's us. Righteousness is a gift. It's not something earned. It's Jesus' righteousness made ours. And the gift of righteousness, what shall happen? Shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So we're to reign and rule over circumstances that come against us. That means we're to have the last word. The last word stands. We can't determine always what shows up. But we can determine the outcome of what shows up. We are the ones who determine how something that challenges and opposes us, the effect it has on us. Amen. I, I was the one when my husband unexpectedly went home to be with the Lord. I was the one that determined how that affected me. And I want you to know that the intended outcome, it failed in its purpose. It did not derail the message. It did not derail the ministry. It did not derail the plan. Amen. Why? Because we choose the outcome of anything that comes against us. We choose. Why? We're in dominion. We dominate what shows up. My mother used to say to us, You can start anything with me that you're big enough to let me finish. In other words, you may think you're going to roll your eyes and start something, but I will finish what happens with your eyes. So she said, you can start anything. You're big enough to let me finish. And that has to be the mentality. And this is what dominion gives us. No matter what is started against us. We are authorized to determine the outcome. And every, every opposition, every circumstance that comes against us that did not come from God, we are the ones who determine and demonstrate the authority. We're not waiting for God to do something about that. We're not waiting for God to intervene. God authorizes us to stand up and declare what it will be. And it's not based on feeling. And it's not based on things. It's based on our position and our seat of authority that we've been raised to. Amen. So we determine the outcome. When, When my husband left the earth, I knew this. The, the plan of God didn't leave with him. Yeah. When people, people will come into your life. People will leave your life. But uh, the plan of God and what you were made for remains intact. Keep living it. Don't lay down anything of what God authored for you. For someone who does not value what you value. Love what you love. Hold to what you hold to. Praise the Lord. You know, in a king's realm, his word is final. 
His word is final in his realm. Now, his word has no bearing in other realms. But in his realm, it's the last word. And obedience is not, or disobedience is not an option. If the king enforces the word. It's our job to enforce the dominion that is ours. Amen. So as I said last night, we are authorized to live as though we have no enemy. Because he is subject to us. Jesus made us master. This has to dawn on you here. It has to dawn on you here. That comes through saying it, meditating it, using that dominion every time it's confronted. Every time. And let me tell you this, it's confronted daily. Why? Because your mind has thoughts daily. (laughs) Amen. Even if you never left your house that day, never got out of bed that day, something's going to confront your authority every single day. So what is it that where people miss it, they're ignorant of what is theirs and they lay down and they permit things. Amen. Even God's people living in bondage that were made for authority, made for dominion and they're living as slaves to things of the flesh, things of the world, things of the devil. Amen. And that doesn't need to be. You know, when people get permissive towards carnal things, well, you know, it doesn't hurt to drink wine. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic. What's the big deal? This, the, it's not about what you drink. It's about what can enslave you again once you've been made free. Don't ever open yourself up to anything that can turn you into its subject. That's the wrongness of it. Jesus paid everything for you to never be enslaved again. And for you to willingly, in your mind, permit. And I'm, not just that. That's just, a, that's just one weak example. Worry will do the same thing. Fear will do the same thing. This is my thing with pastor, having pastored for 25 years. Most people who are really, really pushed around by fear, have no idea they are. They have no idea they are because it has become such a companion of their thought life, such a companion of their ways of operating. They don't even recognize that fear is making, is doing their thinking for them. Praise the Lord. So when we come into the understanding of dominion, the Holy Ghost will start spotlighting things that have been pushing you around that you thought were just part of life. And they shouldn't even be part of your realm. Amen. So the devil holds people in bondage through ignorance. When people are ignorant of things that are tripping them up. The devil, the devil doesn't want you to know these things. Praise the Lord. So if we have authority, and we do have authority, then why are so many Christians tripping up over things? Why are they living in bondage to wrong things? Either they don't know it, they don't believe it, or they just don't exercise it. Amen. 
John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus made this statement, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right? So we could say this, people will only live free to the measure of the truth they know. Little truth, little freedom. Great truth, great freedom. Many think they need more freedom when they really need more truth. They really need to say instead of, Instead of saying, God set me free from this, God set me free from this, they need to come to church and say, Pastor, teach me, teach me. This is where I'm missing it. Because the truth makes you free. The truth you get in you. Not just the truth you can parrot. And not just the truth that is preached at the church you attend. But the truth you get in you. You shall know, not just the pastor know it. You shall know the truth. That's God's plan for all of his people, that they know the truth for themselves. Not their wife knows it, their husband knows it. Not the department head knows it, but you know it. And you are living the measure of freedom based on your measure of truth. To increase your freedom, increase the truth you know. People say, I've done everything I know to do and nothing's changing. You just need to know more. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Yeah. Notice the devil's not mentioned in that destroying factor. God's not mentioned. The devil's not the problem. It's wrong thinking about him. Amen. God cannot work through ignorance. He is not a participator with ignorance. He's a participator with knowledge and truth and wisdom and understanding. So this must be our flow so that God can work We have to know some things. Amen. Amen. The devil is counting on ignorance to work his plan. The The only place he can work is where ignorance lives. Now, don't, call, don't, don't think I'm calling people stupid. Stupid means an inability to learn. But ignorance means not even positioning themselves to hear the right thing. Praise the Lord. And when we're ignorant, the devil takes advantage of their ignorance. Yeah. Go with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 14. You shall know the truth. Remember that. And the truth that you know shall make you free. The truth you know. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Now thanks. This is the King James. Now thanks be unto God. Which always, 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 
that huge inclusive word. Always. Causes us to triumph. God causes us. Not our own works cause us. But God causes us to triumph in Christ because we're in Christ. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. So how does he bring knowledge to every place? By us. He uses us to get his knowledge in every place. Verse 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved and in them that perish. I'm going to read to you the Coney Bear translation. I doubt you'll carry that with you tonight. (laughs) But this is so good you don't want to miss this wording. So just listen carefully. But thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place. In the train of his triumph. Listen to this. To celebrate his victory over the enemies of Christ. He's not talking about people. He's talking about demons. Listen to this. I'm going to read it again. God leads me on from place to place. In the train of his triumph to do what? To celebrate. To celebrate. To celebrate. His victory over the enemies of Christ. And by me, talking about by men, he sends forth the knowledge of Christ, a steam of fragrant incense throughout the world. For Christ's fragrance is the fragrance which I offer up to God. What does he call fragrance? Us celebrating. A celebrating his victory that he made ours. The truth, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Being in the seat of authority and dominion that we are in. How do we behave? This tells us the behavior of someone in Christ. They're celebrating. They are celebrating Jesus' victory over his enemies. This is why so many people live bound. They don't know in their dominion is authorizing them to celebrate. That when something opposes you, what's the proper response? Celebrate. Celebration is the proper response. What are we celebrating? We know you're defeated. We know you're defeated. We know you're defeated. Hallelujah. That's what we're celebrating. What he made for us. Victory. So if we become worried, when something shows up, oh, I owe so much money by the end of the month, Pastor. If we become worried, we have just laid down our our dominion to worry. We let worry dominate. 
when we don't celebrate, when a bill unexpectedly shows up, it didn't catch God off guard. It might have caught you off guard just because your car broke down and you didn't know it was going to break down. He already, 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 already fully provided for everything that is going to show up in your life. One of the main flows of authority and dominion is to celebrate. That's one of the main job descriptions of someone in authority. It's not just going around rebuking. Don't misunderstand me. There is a flow of that. But there's just some things once you move into a greater understanding, you even stop running around rebuking stuff because you know in your celebration is the rebuke. It is the positive side of rebuke. You stayed on the positive. You didn't get on the negative. You didn't get all entrenched up here with what was coming against you. But I, got, I just got to, I just got to deal with the devil. Well, deal with him then. Celebrate. I got it. But thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place, from circumstance to circumstance, season of life to season of life. From place to place in our life. He leads us on from place to place in the train of his triumph. We've joined the triumphant train. <laughs> Where, you ever seen people, I don't, I don't even know the right wording, when they do the, they get, they hook on the conga line. A divine conga line. And I've never seen someone do the conga line and they're just, oh my God. No, even if, no matter what circumstance, they all just jump out and they start kicking their feet and they put their hand on it. They go, da, 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 da. God started the conga line. Thanks be to God who leads me. I'm not, you're not at the front of the conga line, so don't worry, just follow the one in front. You don't have to know where to go, what to do, because you're just hooked on. The one in front, he knows, just go. Celebrate your way from place to place, place to place. It's what it says. He leads me on from place to place in a conga line. <laughs> he leads me on. He leads me on. Quit stopping at opposition. Quit stopping there and admiring it and letting it stop your pace. We're in a race. In a race, it's inappropriate to stay, stop, sit down, say I'm tired. Nope, 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 nope. You saw the Olympics, no. No. You didn't get to the Olympics sitting down on the side. Just go, my side hurts. <laughs> no, get yourself up.
They run. They are so hard on their bodies. They are so hard for a gold medal. We're not. Our, our race is a conga line. It's a conga line. So it does matter who you're running with and who, you're, who you've hooked on to. Because if they're not rejoicing, they can't, they can't, in front of you, they can't lead you into where God is going. They're, they, they're, they're, they unhooked from the conga line. My mother read me a story once. She said, Nancy, I've got to read you this. I, I guess she read it in the newspaper. That a woman attended a funeral. And I don't know if it's still the same. Now, California, you don't really see this too much. They will do it, but they'll do a processional, you know, after the, after the funeral to the gravesite. Do they do that out here? Okay, so it's still a big thing. Uh, you know, California, you know, freeways, and that's just not a good idea. <laughs> they may still do it. I don't know. But there in uh, Oklahoma, a woman went to a funeral and she was it got in the processional afterwards go to the gravesite and got you know their distance from it and she gets part way through and she goes i don't have time so she just takes the next exit and everybody <laughs> followed her off everybody and she got she realized oh my gosh i broke the line so she realizes the rest of the processional is following her off the exit to go to her house. And so she jumps out of her car and says, no, go. That she's trying to point him, get back on the freeway, the highway, get back on. It does matter who you're following. <laughs> what do they know? If they don't know to celebrate, will they lead you into celebration? It matters. It's life and death what church you go to. It's life and death that you don't unhook and take the nearest exit of your flesh. The nearest exit of offense. The nearest exit of strife. You just can't take what's offered you just because it showed up in view. I've got to tell on Pastor Ruby. Pastor Noel and Pastor Ruby are here. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. I call her the Filipino princess. All right, sit down. But it is so fun. Going with them is like a conga line. He's the Uber driver to all the places we go to. He, 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 he's Uber to top. He's, what is it? He's an Uber comer. What is it? What else? What is it? He's Uber joyed to do it. It's not Uber yet. <laughs> so I, I, say again. He does what Uber I say. And, and it was funny, Pastor Jay came out. Well, see, Pastor Noel, bless his heart, because we, we went, like, on the, last week, we, we got home on Monday and then left again on Friday to come out here, but we had five churches or five different locations we went to in, uh, I don't know, about 18 days before we came here. And so this man has to come to the hotel room 
haul my luggage down, haul his luggage down, haul down all the gifts because people are so generous to me, you know, and <laughs> generous to them. And so he's got bags, he's got but baskets he's got everything falling off the cart and you know and and he's got we got deadlines hurry up hun come on hun you know it's just like hurry up and he's got to tend to us and so pastor jay showed up at one of the meetings we were doing recently and he said oh i'm glad to, i'm glad you're here you know because now he's got two men in the car instead of just him with us two ladies and he said you know he said uh adam said you know, when he said, oh, God, it was, this man, it was this woman you gave me. He said, I don't say that. I say, God, it's these women you gave me. <laughs> and he said, and then he said, and then he'd been saying that for a little while. And then he came to me on this last trip and says, I must correct my confession, Pastor. <laughs> he said, because I realized that after Adam said, it's this woman you gave me, he got kicked out of the garden. <laughs> He said, I don't want to get kicked out. So he said, I'm not going to stay in Adam's garden. I'm going to go on with Jesus because he had rich women that followed him and funded him. <laughs> he said, so that's what I'm going to say, that you women are funding me. And I said, well, what you're really saying is we're richer than you. But I don't want to get technical. Okay, now I'm going to get back on. I got I to gotta use Pastor Ruby for this. Talking about just because you're in the line, the triumphal, triumphant line, uh, don't follow when somebody gets out of line. You're to follow the lead, not the person in front of you. The lead. Because when you watch Pastor Ruby read a GPS screen, I'm just telling you, Pastor Noel hooks up his phone, it comes up on this big screen in the car, and he's going down the road and there's all these roads, and she goes, hun, turn here, turn, turn here. I said, Pastor Ruby, it's just showing that there's a road there. It's not showing that's our turn. So every time you see a road come, turn, turn, turn. No, I said, you see all the roads turning off the, ours is the blue line. We're following the blue line. <laughs> so she sees every little turn off as our route. It's not our route. There are a lot of people who see every little offense as their route. Every little thing is their route. You're leaving your line of authority. Read, read the map right. You're following the lead, not just the people in front of you. Not just the people that you know and love and see. I love them still, but if they don't follow the lead, my honor is to the lead. But thanks be to God who leads. God who leads, not family who leads, not relatives who lead, not jobs who lead, not income, not salaries who lead, not price who leads. So many are led by price. But thanks be to God who leads. Thanks be to God who leads me. 
the person I'm joined with is not leading me. Ultimately, it's ultimately it's up there. And I'm, I stay hooked up as long as they're hooked up to what I'm hooked up to. But if they leave, I have no, if they leave, I have no obligation to leave with them because I know who's, who's ultimate lead I'm following. But thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place. I love that. Every place is a, is, is, is a God led, is to be a God led place. Who leads me on from place to place in the train of his triumph. It is a winning path. And I love this. He leads us from place to place to celebrate. To celebrate his victory over the enemies of Christ. That's amazing. That's the sound of authority. Is celebration. In the face of a foe that's been defeated, it is wrong to not celebrate because it shows we've forgotten or we never made it ours in here. We aren't to fear. We aren't to tremble. We aren't to worry. We're not to doubt. We're to celebrate. Those who know the right thing celebrate. If you're not celebrating, I, I, don't, I don't point at you. I say, good news, there's more to know. There's just more to know. Until every day is a celebration day. Every day may not offer circumstances of celebration. But you know what your response is to every day. It's a celebration day. When you know the right thing. And it's like what Brother Joel was talking about this morning. You think the right way. And when you think the right way, it ends you up at his flow, which is a, a flow of celebration. Because no matter what happens, you know, you're already defeated. I don't care how many times you show up. Cannot the person come with a package to your door and they have the address wrong. And they come to your door and knock and you say, that's not my package. The longer they knock doesn't make the package more yours. It doesn't matter how long something shows up and hammers on your head, hammers on your finances, hammers on your body. It doesn't make it more yours the longer it stays. It's still not yours. And when you know that, you're not frightened by what's knocking. Praise the Lord. Now, it says that God leads us from place to place to celebrate. Then people ought to know that you're celebrating. Because this look is not the celebration countenance. Amen. Faith has a look. You can see it on people's face. I've heard people in all the years of ministry say the right thing, but the look was wrong. The face didn't reflect 
the words and the confession that was coming out. Thank God they're saying it, but I, I know this, I've gotten, I, there's more you need to know. <laughs> because this doesn't show celebration yet. When you celebrate, there's outwards, outward expressions that show up, right? Singing, it's a celebration sound. Dancing, it's a celebration action. Shouting, it's a celebration flow. Praising, all of that is celebration that's appropriate for our Father. Amen. They're expressions of celebration. Dad Goodwin uh, made this statement on one occasion, said that whenever I ran into a financial need, he said, I would go in the office, shut the door, and start dancing. Why? Celebration. He danced the money in. Celebrate your answer in. Celebrate your healing in. Celebrate the wisdom you need in. Some of you just looking at me like. But I'm just telling you, you don't have to live the rest of your life looking that way. Let this dawn. Let this dawn here. When you never have to go to bed fearful again. You never have to wake up in the middle of the night tormented with something just hanging on your head and your life just falling apart. It doesn't ever have to be that way again. It's your choice. It's your choice. I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. God cheated for you. He gave you the answer. A divine cheat. He can. He wrote the book. So he can, he can put whatever answer in it he wants. And I'm just telling you tonight, the way you choose is by whether you celebrate or not. Praise the Lord. And if you're not going to celebrate, you have to do something else. You must. It's not an option. You have to, you have to either go into fear, worry, something. Because you cannot be, uh, you cannot be neutral. When circumstances show up, it demands, it demands something of you. Praise the Lord. Dr. Summerall asked Smith Wigglesworth. I love the question. I thought, what a great question. He asked Smith Wigglesworth. When Dr. Summerall was a young man, he said to him, he said, how do you wake up in the morning? I thought, what a great question. And Smith Smith Wigglesworth said, I jump out of bed and I dance for 10 minutes before the Lord. What's he doing? Celebrating. He knows something. He's setting his day. He's joining the conga line that day. Praise the Lord. I love something Brother Joel stated, and I know I'm paraphrasing it because I didn't get it exactly word for word, but I hope I got the intent of it. He said the New Testament emphasis is not about getting God to do something for us. The New Testament emphasis is us knowing and seeing who we are, what we have, and what we can do. That's what the New Testament is constantly pointing us toward. 
and religion has pointed us toward God do something, God do something, God do something. Lack of knowledge. Amen. Those who know and see that, who we are, and that's what Paul prayed, that you would know, that you would know these things, who you are in Christ. And those who know and see the most, celebrate the most. They do. They celebrate the most. They're joyful. And I've told, we've said that one of the reasons, one of the reasons the Ramoses go with me is because they're fun. If you're not fun, you can't go. There's too much luggage to haul for you not to be fun about it. If you're going to gripe about it, you don't go. That's just part of the trip. If you got to get up, because I mean, we got up, what, at, I got up at 3, 3, 3.45 to come on this trip. If you're going to gripe about it, stay home. If you can't find fun in the plan of God, I guarantee you the devil will offer you something not near as fun. And I tell you what, we ought to be the funnest people. Absolutely. Having a good time. Having a good time. Having a good time. You can't have a good time. Stay home. You're not invited. Right? Those who know the most celebrate the most. You measure your knowing by looking at your life of celebration. Yes. Is every day a joy? Yes. Every day is a joy by decision, not by yes. circumstance. Yes. I choose to draw on the joy that's mine. I choose to make the joy bigger than the circumstance in my, in my day today. Amen. When my husband, um, around the time my husband went home to be with the Lord, there was a gal that was um, in his church years ago. She was, oh, she would have been in her late 40s at the time. But for several years, she had been, she had very serious physical conditions, multiples. And she suffered quite a lot. And um, about... Two to three weeks after he went home to be with the Lord, she was on her deathbed in her late 40s. And one night she said, I don't know if I died or if I just dreamed it. But she said, one night, she said, I found myself walking toward the city, city gates. She said, I was in heaven walking toward the city gates. And she says, I was so glad to, because she, she had suffered much. And she said, I was so glad to be nearing the gates and I I was running up to them. And she said, and when I started coming near them, there was like a force field holding me back that would not allow me to enter. And she said, and Ed had been her pastor years ago when she was a young girl and said, there at the gate was Ed. And said, he said to me, it's not time for you to come yet. Go back. And he said, tell Nancy this. And he said two things to tell me. And the second thing that he said was, tell Nancy to run her race with joy. You run your race with joy because you know something. Not because you feel something. 
but because you know something. Of all the things that heaven could have wanted us here to know, it talked about how we run. Don't you find it interesting? Of all the things that heaven could have said to earth, to someone on earth, what it talked about was how we run the race. Not run, he didn't say, tell Nancy to finish her race. He said, tell her to run it with joy. Why? Because with joy is how you get through every obstacle. Everything that's going to be encountered, joy is the leap over it. Jesus said this, he said, behold, I give you power or authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, people quote that last part all the time. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. That's written to those who are treading on serpents and scorpions. Because I know a lot of Christians that are being hurt. They're being hurt by sickness and disease. They're being hurt by lack. They're being hurt by strife and offense. Why? Because they're not treading on serpents. They're not walking in their authority. So it's for someone walking there in their authority that nothing will hurt those who are moving in their authority. Why? Because authority forbids it. Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on. Tread on. When I looked it up, tread on, you know what it meant? Step over. It didn't mean that the thing's going to be leaving you alone. You step over it and you keep going. How do you step over something in your way? With joy. You celebrate. I I saw a thing um, with the Olympics, and they were showing people who were, and I don't even know what this race is called, the hurdles. The hurdles. (laughs) And they would show, oh, brother, there were some real crashes. Not on this Olympics, they were kind of showing crashes of past Olympics, you know, and it was kind of a collage of these different, and the face plants were, wow. The legs getting all tangled because they failed to clear the hurdle. Their feet got tangled. It wasn't their hands that got tangled. It wasn't their head that got tangled. It was their feet, how we run. You have to clear the hurdle. And he's telling us how to clear the hurdle. You celebrate your way over it. That's how you tread on it. And keep going. And keep going. Stop being impressed by what's in the way. Just keep going. Amen. Praise the Lord. Those who know the most celebrate the most. You need to... You can measure your knowledge by measuring your celebration. Praise the Lord. I love the story of this one woman. She raised up her children in the things of God, but one of her sons was very wayward, self-willed. And lived away from God for a very long time. And she really she really wondered about his salvation. And he ended up in his 50s. He was dying. And uh, 
She hadn't seen him in a long time. And as he lay dying and the doctors gave him no hope, he says, take me back to mother. And they transported him back and he ended up dying. But he got right with God before he did. And here she was like 80-something. He was in his 50s and people in the congregation felt bad for her because they thought, you know, it's difficult when a parent buries a child. And she was such a precious woman of God and she, they just they felt bad for her to have to see this son buried so young. And so they, they wondered about how, what effect it would have on her. And when they held the funeral, she came walking through the back down the front aisle after everybody's seat and said, praise the Lord, he made it. Praise the Lord, he made it. She celebrated her way in. Why? Because she knew something. That will offend people who don't know. That will offend when you don't get depressed and grieved and fall apart with them. They get offended at the response of celebration in the face of difficulty. But celebration is the flow of those who know. A renewed mind leads us to celebrate when others won't. I remember Dr. Summerall telling us about the time he flew in from a foreign country. He was landing, I believe, in Chicago. And then he was not even going home to South Bend headquarters, but he was going on to Florida. And when he arrived in Chicago... One of his sons had flown their ministry plane to Chicago to meet him and says, Dad, we've come to pick you up. And they go, he goes, why? I'm scheduled to preach in Florida. And they said, well, preach, well sit down. He says, I want to sit down. That was Dr. Summerall. Don't tell him the posture of his body. And uh, he said, what's the matter? And they said, well, last night the, tel- the television studio burned down, all the equipment, everything. And I mean millions of dollars worth of stuff. And Dr. Summerall said, all right. And they said, well, we came to bring you home. Why? It's burned down. He said, I I got a preaching schedule. He got on the next plane, went to preach. That's called a flow of celebration. You just do what you know to do in the face of everything that tries to get you on a different path. You never worried and arrived at at the right place. But you, you celebrate and you'll always arrive at the right place. Amen. Amen. Fear, depression, grief, worry are all indicators that you have another privilege. The privilege of renewing the mind. And that is a privilege. The areas we struggle with, the areas that we tend, because you can have... Complete faith in one arena and be totally harassed in another arena. That's an indicator of where you need more knowledge. Read the indicators. Amen. Philippians chapter 1. Oh, I haven't even gotten to where I'm headed. Um, Philippians chapter 1. This is the Amplified that I want to read out of. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Yes. 
Philippians 1, verse 28, the Amplified Translation. Do not for a moment. Don't give yourself any cushion time. Do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything, in anything, in anything by your opponents and adversaries for such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, a proof and a seal to them, your opponents, your adversaries, of their impending destruction and a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that's from God. When we are opposed to be fearful or intimidated is always the wrong response. We've already been talking about what's the right response. Celebrate. Rejoice. Praise. Amen. When we walk in the full light of our dominion and who we are in Christ, things change. Now that's a big statement and I hope you don't miss it. Things change. And if you need something changing... Knowledge, acting on the knowledge of who you are is what will bring about that change. Amen. When things need to change, start dominating. Exercise your dominion. And then I'll close with this. Luke chapter 4. In verse 18. You need to know these things. You need to know these things. And this is why you need to know them. Not just for your life. Not just for your life. Don't be good at celebrating just for your life. But other lives need to know what celebration, the celebration flow is. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Jesus stood up in his hometown and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Now he gives the job description of the anointing that's upon him. He's anointed me... To preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I want to look at the phrase. To preach deliverance to the captives. Preach deliverance to the captives. Anybody that's held captive by something. Anything that is being pushed down. Anyone that's being pushed down by something. He tells what they need. They need preaching. They need teaching. They need the word. Tell them. Tell them. Preach to them. It doesn't say. It says to preach deliverance to the captives. Not pray deliverance to the captives. says preach deliverance preach deliverance what is that what's preaching deliverance you are delivered you are already delivered what would he what did Jesus say to the woman who'd been bowed over at the waist for 18 years he said behold woman thou art loose off this daughter of Abraham who Satan is bound ought she not be loosed he said woman thou art loosed he, needed, he did not lay hands on her. He preached deliverance to her. Yes. To get delivered from that that day. 
There's a place for prayer, but it is not a substitute for knowledge. It is not a substitute for knowing. It is not a substitute for celebrating in the face of adversity. What do you think Paul and Silas did? They prayed and they celebrated. Sang praises. They celebrated. That's a flow of celebration. Amen. Anyone who's bound, held back, hindered by anything, held by an addiction, held by a harassment, held tormented by fear, they need to hear the preaching of the good news of deliverance. That's what they need. I had uh, one, one little gal years ago in our church. It's a precious little gal, but she had a lot of personal responsibilities. And uh, she needed her church family a lot. And we wanted her to succeed. And she, uh, she just, you know, if you can keep corralling people, you can help them. If they'll let you corral them, just stay, just stay close, stay close. Come to the service, stay close, keep in contact. If, you, if they'll let you corral them, you can keep them safe, even when they're not equipped in their own knowledge. If you can just keep them close. That's sometimes that's what I'll just tell Morgan, just keep them close, keep them close, just keep them close so you can help them. And uh, I was at home one day and I was praying and... It came up in my heart. God said to me what she was struggling with, what the devil was bombarding her mind with. So um, I, uh, I just prayed for her. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I was doing the service, and I, Morgan normally preaches, but I was doing the service back then, and um, I looked up, and the anointing came on me when I saw her, and God said, call her out. So I called her out. I did pray for her. The Holy Ghost let me know to assist that way. Why? Because he, our prayer life assists people. Absolutely. But when I called her out, I didn't lay hands on her. You know what I told her? I told her how to walk free from that thing. How to take her stand against it. And in front of the congregation, I didn't spell out anything to embarrass her. I just said... Uh, the Spirit of God's been dealing with me about what's been opposing you. Do you know what I'm talking about? She said, yes, Pastor, I do. I said, there's help for you, and let me give you your help. And it wasn't just me laying hands on her. I gave her knowledge. Yes. I gave her her answer to say. Yes. There was a minister's visiting that, that service. And uh, later, they said, don't you know there's a demon Talking to her, I said, "Oh yeah, one is it, things have been troubling her for years." Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know that. Do you know that you need to cast that off? I did. That's right. With knowledge. Yeah. Preach deliverance to the captives, and they go, "What are you talking about?" And I said. I told her what to do because if I would have dealt with that demon it set her, it myself, that thing would have been back before she went to bed that night. She wouldn't know what to do with that thing. I told her how to get it off and keep it off. I said, I helped her renew her mind. They go, I don't know what you're talking about. I go, I know. 
That's why you said what you said. Because they don't have the value on the word that the word has its proper place. Preach deliverance. Tell them that you're already free. You don't have to live a tormented life. And if you don't know how to celebrate, how are you going to tell somebody? If you're not skillful, how are you going to go to work and tell somebody? Somebody that needs your help needs your skill. They need you skillful in your celebration of authority. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some people who have lost their mind completely, I mean, their mind is gone because the mind is the gateway or the door to the spirit. And somebody whose mind is gone completely, you try to get knowledge to them, you can't. Because the mind will not allow that. That, that door's broken, so to speak. Therefore, you need a gift of the Spirit. Therefore, you can lay hands on people, cast things off of them, by the gift of the Spirit, but as the Spirit wills and leads. All you can do in a situation like that, and I'm speaking pastors especially and ministers, all you can do in a situation like that is take time to get in the Spirit. To see if the Spirit would use you that way to help somebody. Otherwise, anybody, I don't, keep, I don't care even if their mind is weakened. If they even have any knowing, any ability to comprehend, their help is in preaching their deliverance to them. Amen. To those whose minds have not been completely taken over. Amen. If you can still get through to them in any measure, this is their answer. Preach deliverance to the captives. Tell them. You're all. You have the dominion. You have the authority. When Dr. Summerall. When Dr. Summerall. Went to that Billabib prison in the Philippines and set that girl free that had been bitten by devils. He cast the devil out of her. Her mind was gone. She was completely overcome. When her mind came back, you know what he did? He preached deliverance to her. He told her, exactly right, Pastor Amy, he told her how to keep that thing off of her. Just got saved that day. Just got saved that day. And the preaching of the deliverance that was hers worked. Just getting saved that day. Full authority worked that day. She was, they were going to dismiss her the next day to go live with a family out of Dr. Summerall's church. But she was spending that night until all the paperwork and everything could be completed. And that night, after she had been set free, that demon came back through the window and tried to get a hold of her again and she cried out to the guard quickly tell me what did the preacher say to say and the guard remembered and told her and she did it and that demon took his hands off of her and left she didn't even remember fully what to say but all she had to do was she ran to that as her answer she ran she didn't say go get the preacher she said what did he tell me to say What did he tell me to say? What did your pastor tell you to say? What did your pastor tell you to say? He preached deliverance to the captives every Sunday, every midweek service. He's preaching deliverance to the captives. 
Amen. And when people can't understand what you're saying, they're going to have to act for themselves. They're going to have to. You can't act for them. So preach deliverance. Tell them words. Tell them what to say. Remind them. I mean, when my kids or my grandkids or anybody, my kids have called me at different times and says, I'm going through this. And then I just tell them again, this is what you say. This is what you say. This is what you say. I've never, I've never gone over and bailed them out. I've just told them what to do. Thank God for the knowing that I can tell people what to do. You know what I would do when I was in school? School and me weren't best friends. It wasn't so hard. I was just not interested. I'd take those school books. You could find them in the floorboard of my car before I got home. Because that's just what I thought about it. I wasn't interested. I didn't hold to it. When you leave a service like this, you can't take what's said and just throw it in the floorboard of your life. This is, this is your deliverance. Psalm 91. Remember? Tell me the last, the wording of the last two verses. Because you set his, because he has set his love on me. What was it? Therefore, will I deliver. Yeah. And show him my salvation. How's he going to deliver you? Through your mouth. Speaking knowledge. Celebrating. It's not God just you, you laying in bed and doing nothing and begging him to show up and him to show up and start striking junk down. He's going to deliver you through the words of your mouth, giving you knowledge. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I want to read that last passage that Dad Hagen said that I started with. Before Jesus comes again, there's going to be a whole company of believers who will rise up. With the authority that is theirs. They will know what is theirs and they will do the work that God intended they yes. should do. How about we, yes. be, be, we be in that company? Yes. How about that? Yes. How about that? We have to be interested. Yes. I said we have to be interested. And I know you're interested. You're here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who would have known? That winning battles was as easy as celebrating. Who would have known it? God told it to Jehoshaphat. Put the praisers up front. Put them up front. Put the celebrators up front. Tell Gideon, send the fearful home. Get rid of them. Because they'll get you killed. Nobody wants to buddy up with the guy afraid. Send them home. Only 300 knew how to celebrate. Out of the thousands. What was it? Like 33,000, something like that. 33,000, only 300. 300. I would dare to say not everybody knows how to celebrate in the face of adversity. But we choose. We choose. That that's our flow. That's our response. Hallelujah. Are you helped tonight? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now I will say thank God for corporate faith. It's easy to step into the flow of corporate faith. Good for you. Now you know what celebration looks like and sounds like. Now go home with the individual faith. And do the same thing when nothing else is shouting. Nothing else is rejoicing, but all things are threatening. Whether it's your finances, whether it's your body, and celebrate. Praise is simply celebration. I love something Lillian B. Yeoman said. A medical doctor raised up off of her deathbed and went to preaching divine healing after that for the next 35 to 40 years. And she said, there's nothing you can't praise your way out of. What she, she was really giving the light of what that passage is that we read. There's nothing you can't praise your way out of. Paul and Silas did it. And um, God's people around Jericho did it. They didn't praise their way out. They praised their way in. Sometimes you need out of things. Sometimes you need into things. How are you going to do it? Celebrate. Celebrate. Amen. Hallelujah. Later, later, after all these meetings are over and stuff, you know what you have the privilege of? Stir it up. Celebration is stirred up. Why do you think that Smith Wigglesworth said every morning he got up and celebrated? He stirred him, he stirred it up, stirred up. He stirred himself up in his knowledge, in his authority, in his dominion, in his faith. Everything in you has to be stirred. Everything in you has to be stirred. So don't worry about feelings. I don't feel like celebrating. Well, the world, the whole world looks like they're living by their feelings. We live by our knowledge. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
this. <laughs> it want, it's not making sound. It's releasing from the inside of you. Release faith when you shout. Release faith when you praise. It's the releasing of faith through the act of celebration. Amen. So it's not a mental thing. Hook your heart up and from the inside of you. You believe. You, you believe. You believe. Hallelujah. You believe. Amen. So release that faith that's on the inside of you when you celebrate as your response. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Whatever is opposing, you direct it at that. It's not just random. It is very purposeful in what we're celebrating as we tread on it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, this afternoon and even coming to the service and earlier in the service, that anointing was in my hand. So I said, God, what is that? And he reminded me, what's that? I said, what is that for? And he reminded me of something that, uh, because I, I want to make sure that we're correct. But I, I was reminded of some wording that God gave in one particular incident, I was, after Brother Norval Hayes went home to be with the Lord, it stirred in me, somebody needs to pick up the revelations. And people have in, in part, but I wanted not just to preach his sermons, I wanted what did God tell him specifically, I didn't want to let that slip. The things God said to him. And one of the things, that, one of the primary emphasis of his ministry was releasing faith through worship. Worship, worship was such an emphasis, a centerpiece of what God had him to emphasize. And that's where the worship book that I wrote came out of because I went to a church and I was going to preach on worship, not preaching his sermons, but preaching this one thing that God said to him about worship. And the book came out of that. And but when I got ready to go preach the first night at that conference, uh, about 45 minutes before I was to leave, there was an angel that came into my hotel room. I knew where it was standing. I went over and I, and I held out my hands in front of me and I said, you've come for a purpose. And I received that purpose. What is the purpose that you've come for? See, you have to respond to any kind of movement of heaven toward you. It's, he won't, when something like that happens, you don't receive just because he showed up. You have to respond to it. So I said, and I held out my hands and I said, you've come for a reason and purpose. What is that? I received that. And that angel said these words to me. I've come to bring an impartation. It was interesting because I'd never heard these words before. To bring an impartation for the utterance of the revelation given to Brother Norval. In other words, revelations must have proper utterance. Yeah. 
if you have a revelation but you can't articulate that it's going to be very difficult to pass it on right and this is what the angel said there's an impartation to assist with the utterance of it well in first in Romans 1 verse 11 Paul said I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift Meaning that's not just one thing, some, whatever that is, is needed for you and what is called for for you. That I may impart some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. It'll establish, or the, res, the end result, will, it will establish some things into you through impartation. So I thought this interesting. He said, I've come to bring an impartation for the utterance of the revelation. Meaning I had divine help in the way it was spoken so that it would land in the hearts of the people. It doesn't matter if it doesn't reach their, their heart. It doesn't matter that I said it. And how you say it, there's an, there was an impartation to help me in how things were said. All of us need to be preaching deliverance to the captives. You can go to work and somebody start talking about the difficulty of their, of their life and you have in your mouth their help and you preach to them their help, their deliverance. You're anointed for that. But tonight when that, that anointing was in my hand before service and when I first came into the service and I said, God, what is that? He said, it's an impartation for the utterance of the revelation for the ministers. That God's wanting further revelation to be uttered about the authority of the believer. It's not just what comes through me, but God's going to give parts. We only know in part. And God's going to give more parts to the ministers here about the authority, the light that we need to walk in it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We receive that help to utter rightly the revelations that need to land in the hearts of people. You can't speak head words and them land in the heart. They have to be heart words. They have to be spirit words. And there's divine help that heaven will impart to us to help us with those utterances. Amen. Congregations, I don't know what pastors are here that maybe your pastor, but this is why Paul said, pray that doors of utterance be opened unto me. Why? Because the people would get the utterances for their own lives. It's not just so Paul could have something, so the people could have through Paul what their lives needed. So don't think you're being neglected in this. These impartations for the utterance of the revelation is for your lives. It's not for their own. It's for your lives. Amen. For the utterance. Hallelujah. I thought that was so interesting how the angel said it to me that night. That we need divine help in how things are said. Amen. And there is further revelation for us to have and to walk in in this era 
so that what Dad Hagen talked about, a company of believers that will move over into and accomplish things that God wants done in these days. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We honor your word. And we know this, that we have divine help to make these words known with all clarity so that they land in the hearts of the people. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the impartation. For the impartation. Ah, we thank you for the impartation of the, ah, of the utterances, the revelation. Ah, greater, 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 greater revelation coming for us, Father. Ah, and now we're equipped to utter them with clarity. Utter them with wisdom. Utter them with accuracy. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Ah, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. We pray. Oh, oh. Remember, Jesus said, there's many things I have to say to you, but you're not able to hear them yet. That's part of the impartation of knowing what is to be said and what's to be held and not be said yet. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. Did I miss any full-time minister or pastor? Did I miss anybody? Okay. Yes, love. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Ah! We thank you, Father. Back, back here, back here, okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We thank you. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, we, we, oh, we thank you, Father. We, oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you that these things are handled in honor and wisdom that it matters amen we praise the Lord just give me your hands sir just put your hands out in front of you we thank you father we thank you we thank you father praise the Lord praise the Lord we glorify you we glorify you we glorify you. We thank you. Divine help. We thank you, Father. We magnify you. Lord, we magnify
testimony I heard a woman probably I would say late 40s early 50s her father was a pastor he was in looked to be his 70s and uh, she had helped him for years and she was diagnosed with a terminal condition and the doctor's told her you've got 30 days when she was diagnosed and she had gotten very weak physically she had no insurance and they just said basically there's nothing we can do for you anyway so we don't need to see you anymore unless you know you want us to and she went home and she just laid on the couch and she was so weak and tired and I loved her dad walked into her and he said, you're going to die laying there. Get up. I mean, this is his daughter who helped him in the ministry. He didn't coddle her. And I love what he said to her. He said, physician, heal thyself. And he walked out. He wasn't going to do it for her. He couldn't do it for her. And she got up. And she started quoting verses and she started putting her name in it. And several times a day she did it. She went back at day 29 to the doctor and they said, there's nothing there, nothing there. Now, I said that to say this, preach deliverance to the captives. Sometime if something's trying to captivate you, you preach deliverance to yourself. Preach to yourself. If something is trying to rise up and take a hold on you, Preach deliverance to the captives. Amen. Amen. Preach to yourself who you are and what you have and what you can do. And give yourself a talking to instead of, instead of patting yourself. If her dad wouldn't have said that, she'd have died. Sometimes you don't always need to be understood as a human. I know what, honey, I know it's hard. That's not always what you need. You need somebody who doesn't care what your humanity feels. <laughs> and just do what the Word says. Amen. The Word always works. The Word always works. 
Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. in the morning 10 o'clock and every night 7 o'clock all the way through Thursday morning 10 a.m. through Thursday night 7 p.m. and we're so glad you're here and so glad you're hungry thank you and uh, how many of you say there's more there's more and we're going to lay hold of it all amen turn to somebody before you're dismissed and say it's so good to be free and you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.